Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dairy Sports Podcast. I'm your co-host, Sam Deering, and with me is my co-host, Christian John. And today, we're going to be starting off with some exciting news of the Big Ten football has officially announced that they will be starting in late October. And then we'll be finishing off recapping the Week 1 Packers and Vikings game and previewing the Packers-Lions game. So to start off, um, I can't tell how excited I am. That the Big Ten is back. Um, it was it was great watching college football again um, last weekend, seeing guys like Brock Purdy, um, a potential early round draft pick from Iowa State. Um, but it, it was it was different not seeing the Big Ten and um, the I know the SEC starts um, the twenty sixth, um, but it was great to see college football again. But I am really pumped that the Big Ten has decided to um, to uh, go on and play with their season in late October. And we have already seen guys like Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis reverse their opt, reverse their opt-outs and come back. Um, now the, the big questions are Rondale Moore, Rashad Bateman, and even Micah Parsons. Will those guys um, decide to reverse their opt-outs? Um, we haven't heard anything yet, but I'm pumped. I can't wait, and this is this is exciting. Yeah, it's definitely awesome news. It's really good. Everybody kind of needs this right now, and it really seemed like most of the players wanted to play, right? Like, a good 95% at least were all on board to play this year. So it's good that they're getting what they wanted. It's good that the coaches are getting what they wanted, and it's good that the fans are getting what they wanted. I mean, it really feels to me as though this is what – the vast majority of all of us wanted, and now we're getting it. We're getting football this fall from the Big Ten, which is just such a staple in college football that, like you mentioned, it was just weird that we didn't have that this weekend. And as you mentioned with the players that have opted out that are re-opting in, as a Badger fan, I hope the, the rest of them don't opt back in. But truthfully, it is awesome to see them come back and actually want to finish out their careers it's to me it's exciting to see that as well that now that they know they'll get to play they do want to get back out there with their with their brothers it's awesome yeah and it's the thing with the badgers is like they never really they never lost anyone to opt outs i mean cole van landon has the chance to be potentially a second round pick but cole van landon is a high-level prospect right now looking at his tape. And obviously, we'll get to predictions um, later on in the next few weeks or so um, when the season gets closer. Um, but, I mean, their offense, obviously, Jonathan Taylor is a huge loss. But I'm really excited for Jake Ferguson. But, again, this is a this will be a conversation for another time. But just some players to watch and, like, like we like we both just brought up with opt outs, they had they didn't really lose a lot. I mean, Cole Van Lannan, Jake Ferguson, um, uh, Jack Cohen, Carrot Groshek. I mean, those are just the list of the few names. List a few names that are like all they're all draft eligible. None of those guys decided to opt out, and they all um, guys like Justin Fields who created that petition as soon as the Big Ten. Um, and Kevin Warren decided to uh, postpone the season to spring. All those Big Ten players were, you know, kind of formed a pact, and 
said why even Ryan Day said it. They said it last week. He said, um, if all these other conferences are playing, why can't we play? And my big question now is I wonder if the Pac-12 follows. Yeah, and that's really the big question. Like, and as you mentioned, it's just really interesting to see. Uh, obviously, being a Big Ten football fan, it's, I don't know, I don't see as much or follow as many guys from the Pac-12 on Twitter. I, is it the same thing with them? Like, Are they really pushing to play as well, or is it different from the Big Ten? Yeah, and you could tell from the Pac-12, you probably saw guys like Panay Sewell even, um, even uh, USC guys wrote a letter to the governor, Amon Ross St. Brown, Keaton Slovis. Um, there was another guy, I don't remember who it was, but uh, just the list of those big name Pac-12 players, like they want to play. And even before, even as, like, I think it was right before um, Pac-12 um, made the announcement to postpone their season to spring, um, first round prospects, guys like Panay Sewell were all writing these things and putting them on Twitter and saying like, Oh, we want to play like, like they, the NCAA wasn't handling it great at all. And then a week after they all announced the conference only schedules, they go, they postpone the season. And now you're getting like the PAC 12. Yes. I, it's definitely just like the big 10. All these guys want to play. Like none of these guys want to opt out. And a big reason why they're opting out is probably because the NCAA doesn't have a plan. And I was talking about this a while ago on my other um, podcast about college football is the NFL has done a really nice job um, and like, like low key because nobody really talks about that. And there was one point like right before the season started where there was a guy on the Dolphins that was the only player on the COVID list out of all the players in the NFL. And obviously the list is starting to add up slowly now. We've seen guys like Raquel Armstead from the Jaguars, Fred Warner from the Niners. Um, But the NFL has really come a long way. And they announced last week that not a single player tested positive. Um, So I'm really hoping the NCAA can kind of follow in that and like, learn from what the NFL is doing right now. Um, and I know, I think we mentioned this a while on our f- previous episodes that Notre Dame had coach Brian Kelly. Um, I'm not sure if this is for Notre Dame in general, which is my guess, or um, NCAA in general. He wants every player tested before um, before they step foot on the field. And I'm hoping the NCAA has like has a plan uh, because I, I really I truly want to see these players play and I get like I get what you said as a Badger fan like you don't want Micah Parsons, Ronda Moore, um, Rashad Bateman to come back, but um, Micah Parsons is a guy that I would build my defense around as some draft analysts like to say. Um, and Minnesota, it's really like PJ Fleck. It's really impressive to see, like, to see what he's built. And like again, like we're both Badger fans. I'm putting all my biasness away. Rondell Moore is probably the fastest guy in the draft. Um, Rondell Moore, otherwise both of those Alabama, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. Um, and I know we've had conversations about mock drafts before, and this is another conversation for later on. But I've seen Jalen Waddle of the Packers, which would be 
Unbelievable. Um, but, I mean, right now Lazard's looking really impressive, and we'll get to the Packers just shortly. Yeah, and I, I truly say the opt-out thing is a joke. I, mean, I do really want to see all these guys play this year. As a Big Ten football fan, or as just a football fan in general, you want to see the best players play. And those three guys in Bateman, Moore, and Parsons are three of the best draft prospects, college football players that we have right now. So I really do hope that we get to see them play this fall. Yeah, and actually I'm glad we're doing this episode now because I'm just reading 247 Sports and it says Rashad Bateman does want back in. So I'm hoping we see him potentially make that move in reverse his opt-out. I'm hoping we see Rondell Moore and Micah Parsons because we want to see these exciting players. And we were talking about these opt-outs in my previous live streams that I've done with um, other colleagues and Unwrap Sports Network. And we were talking, like, we, could we see limited playing time because of all this? And I think that's could be a possibility. Um, but I'm really glad to see all these big-name players opting out or opting back in. So um, to end, we will be going on to the Green Bay Packers. Um, later on in the episodes, we'll be predicting the Wisconsin Badgers, um, the Big Ten overall. Um, so stay tuned for that, and I'm really excited for that one. Um, so let's let's start by recapping the bat, the Packer game um, against the Vikings week one. And one guy that I was really, really pumped to see as a rookie, there were a few. Um, I think it was. I think John Running had a really cool story of him saying he remembers watching Rodgers in the Super Bowl, um, and then now he's protecting for him. I think that's. I think that's like really awesome of him. Um, I believe AJ Dillon had like four carries, three or four carries for twelve yards, and Matt Lafleur even said a, a few a few days ago that he wants to get him more involved. Um, and even guys like Josiah DeGuara, which. He was a ton of fun to watch. Made some, made some out of nowhere machine blocks. I mean, I'm I'm really excited for these rookies. And I I was watching NFL Network um, a few days before um, Sunday's game, and half of them had the Vikings winning the division. I'm like, no. I mean, I was talking to James Treefry, a fellow Dairy Sports member. Um, he says they're going to win the division. Um, but he also said, and I, I, I predicted this right away, and like the, their corners, their secondary, one, it doesn't help that they lost Jerry Gray. And two, three of their five backups, I would even add, probably two of their five backups, because Cameron Dantzler was starting. Three, two of their five backups are rookies. Um, Holton Hill was on their bench, obviously, but they also had um, their first-round pick, Jeff Gladney, and they also had Harrison Hand because they dropped the three corners in the first round. I know Mike Zimmer was praising Cameron Dantzler um, pretty quick. And a lot of the attention was on Mike Hughes. Um, but Rodgers, as run-heavy offense as the Packers are, Rodgers took advantage of that right away with Devontae Adams, who had an unbelievable game. Yeah, I mean, Devontae was <clears throat> uncoverable. It looks like they just totally forgot that he played football. They. Uh, the other thing is, though, I mean, I, I feel as though we all should have known this was going to happen. Like, uh, everybody wasn't expecting that these young corners were going to get torched by Aaron Rodgers. Come on. That, that one, to me, feels tough because it's Aaron Rodgers. 
It's Aaron Rodgers, and these are guys who have never seen somebody like Aaron Rodgers before in college. You know, everybody can talk about how good, you know, teams in the SEC are or, you know, some of these teams that guys like Cameron Dancer have seen. It it does not matter. They're not Aaron Rodgers. They don't play the same way. He has such a unique style with extending plays. and We we really saw that on Sunday was just – you can't stop it. You can't cover for that long, no matter how good your secondary is. And the Vikings secondary isn't very good. You can't cover for that long. Also, just Josiah Dewara had some insane blocks. Like, yeah, that dude's, <laughs> a, that dude's a maniac. He, he he is a scary, scary dude. Yeah, I cannot wait to see. Um, I'm like, I think every fan is kind of starting to realize why Matt LaFleur loved him so much because of his versatility, because he could use him in so many situations. He was a guy that was seen as a fullback um, because of his size coming into the draft. I know he was, um, I don't remember, I don't know if I've talked about this um, with you before, but my quarterback to watch is Desmond Ritter. He plays at Cincinnati. He was Josiah DeGuara's quarterback. And Josiah DeGuara in college broke records. And he was, I believe it was a 1,000 um, receiver, 1,000 receiving yards um, as a tight end. And the last one to do that was not Travis Kelsey, but Brent Selleck. Um, but I'm really excited to watch Josiah DeGuara. And um, I, I think this rookie draft class, I think we're going to look back on this like in a few years and say, wow, like this is, this is going to be a really impressive draft class. And Jake Hansen, I was a little bit, I was really surprised got cut, um, but I'm, Happy we were able to keep him on our practice squad. Yeah, definitely. And um, just a couple other things from this game is MVS just keeps the, keeps teasing us because he'll you know he'll have a big play and then he just has horrendous drops where it looks like he doesn't know how to use his hands. It's just this is starting to get tough, and I'm really starting to lose the faith in him. A.J. Dillon, like you mentioned, I think it was two carries for 14 yards was what it ended up yep. being for A.J. Dillon. He, I mean, he looked nice in those two runs, and I was somewhat upset that he didn't get more touches. But as Matt LaFleur said, he wants to get him more touches, and I think that'll be huge going forward for the Packers to have three running backs you can trust. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up um, MBS because yeah, obviously after the first like impressive touchdown catch, everyone was like, wow, like, like what a strong start. Um, like MBS might be like this, this MBS could be back. Like this could be a game where MBS kind of shows up and really proves himself that he's worthy of being that wide receiver three. Um, but then, yeah, obviously like every throw, not every throw we, Every throw we saw Rodgers make to MVS, they were not really overthrown. They were right there. They were contested throws. And some of them were even wide open where MVS used his speed to make to create that separation that he's all that he's been good at. But obviously, like he it, obviously a lot of it went on in his head. He didn't he didn't catch it. He had a lot of he had quite a few drops. Um he had a decent showing, uh, four for 96 in a touchdown, uh, which is still good for a guy like MVS that struggled immensely. Um, but 
they're promising stats, um, but at the same time, we need to see more. We need to see that consistency. Another yeah, I mean, guy, like you said. Yep, go ahead. Like I like you said, I, he has that talent, but so did Jamon Moore. Jamon Moore in preseason was open every play. He really was. He was so good at getting open. If you can't complete the catch, you did nothing. You did everything on that play wrong. Just because if you can't complete the catch, you wasted everything else you did. You wasted absolutely everything on that play. So, unfortunately for MVS, he does a lot of good things for 90% of the route, but he can't finish that last 10%. Yep. Uh, The last player I want to talk about is, at least on the offensive side, um, is Al Mazard. I mean, he finished with... Four for 63 with a touchdown. Lazard is still Lazard. I mean, obviously, he's had better games than this, but Lazard is still Lazard. This is our wide receiver, too. This is a guy that I've always thought, even with Devin Funches, even with us signing Devin Funches, that he was going to be our wide receiver, too. And it's, it's, I'm hoping we, he really keeps this up because he seems to be the Alan Lazard coming right back from what he, coming right back from where he was at last season. Can we talk about what a maniac he is when it comes to blocking, too? Like, Alan Lazard takes people's head off. I, I, I think that's a very underrated part of his game, is that he's willing to get dirty. Like, he is going to get physical with you, and he is going to open things up for either if it's a running back or whatever, or if he just caught the football. He's not going to run out of bounds. He's going to slam into you as hard as he can. Yeah, and like that seems to be kind of that unique trait with those Iowa State receivers um, because one guy that we both know well um, who was cut by the Cardinals was Hakeem Butler. And Hakeem Butler, unlike the other receivers on that roster, he excelled at blocking. And there were a lot of Cardinals analysts that were saying if he knew the playbook, if he knew the offense, he would still be a Cardinal. He has tons of potential, but... They have yet to see it. He's highly unproven, obviously, because he went down with that abulsion fracture last year. But yeah, I Lazard is six five two twenty seven. I remember com- I remember comparing um, the body frames of Alan Lazard and Devin Funches. Rogers loves those big bodied receivers. I know. Yes, we need. We would love to have those small guy receivers, KJ Hill in the later rounds, KJ Hamler, um, even James Prochet. And Lazard is he's an animal. Yeah, he really is. He he is a scary dude when it comes to blocking. And I still want to see more from him in terms of being a receiver and a pass catcher. But in, in total, I do really like Alan Lazard and his mindset and his game. But I definitely think there's a lot he can work on. It seems as though he did work on some of it. <clears throat> and I believe he is a guy who will continuously improve. Yeah. Um, the main guy that really stood out to me and obviously everyone else was Chris Barnes, um, an undrafted free agent. Um, he had the second most tackles. He had seven total and two tackle for losses. Um, the second star right behind Christian Kersey, the game, and even Christian Kersey was saying like he was a stud. Like when he, when he got in, he really made that name for himself and made his place on that team. And I'm hoping we see more from that. More from him, because Chris Barnes is a guy that really nobody, not a lot of people really expected to kind of show out like this. And when Kamal Martin comes back, that's going to be huge. 
Yeah, and Kamal had such a great camp, so it was so disappointing that he didn't get to have any run. But with Barnes playing the way he did week one, and hopefully he can expand on that here against the Lions this weekend, that might be somewhat of a silver lining just because now we know that both of those guys, hopefully we'll know that both of those guys can actually ball. And if we have three guys at inside linebacker who can actually play and play well, I think that's going to be the bigger deal here than missing Kamal Martin for the first few weeks. Yeah, I agree. If, um, I mean, yeah, with when, if Kamal Martin, or when he comes back, it's going to be huge. And like you meant, like he, was com- he was competing for a starting job, um, for that starting inside linebacker job. And now you have, obviously, Kirksey. We have Chris Barnes. Oren Burke sitting on the bench. Um, you're a guy that you were excited to see. Curtis Bolton was unfortunately cut. Um, but this is a really talented linebacker core. And if they can really develop them and have them produce Kirksey, people have, I've seen reports and articles of people writing that Christian Kirksey could be our missing piece. Um, obviously, he went down with injuries last year. I'm really hoping that's the case. And a lot of these free agencies, free agency signings for us were low risk, high rewards. So I'm really hoping like, we need this to pan out for us for Christian Kirksey. Yeah, that's definitely true. And it seemed, I, it seemed like he had a pretty nice game to me, especially mm-hmm. with the no preseason, you know, it, it was tough. He hasn't played football in what, two years, technically, when you consider the fact that he got hurt last year. So Kirksey had a nice showing for it being his first time getting out there. And again, I'm very excited now about Kamal Martin after his camp. So that's a big thing. I think the inside linebacker position, this is honestly the best I've felt in years about it at this point. And I'm talking about what a fifth round pick an undrafted rookie free agent and a prove it deal linebacker. And this is the best I've felt. And that's the thing, too. You mentioned that they, they only had three weeks. And obviously, yeah, Kirksey's the first time in playing almost two years. All these guys have only had three weeks. And they named, like, their NFC, like, defensive player of the week. I don't recall who it was. It was – um, but it wasn't Jair Alexander, a guy that um, – Broke the, was it the Packers record for, he had a tackle, a sack, and a safety all in one game? I mean, J- Jair Alexander is, he's really, he's really making that name for himself. He's already made the name for himself. And obviously we talked about Jerry Gray. Um, and he has a really, there's a lot of talented secondary players in our, in that secondary room for the Packers, but Jair Alexander really, really showed out. Yeah, he just, again, he has that it factor. Like, not a lot of guys have that, but Jair does. There's just something about him that oozes star. And it's awesome to see when he actually capitalizes on it and he has games like he had on Sunday, or at least moments like he had on Sunday, getting the safety, getting the interception. Jair has the it factor and I don't think the Packers have really had a corner that had it since Charles Woodson. So he's definitely in rare air there. Yeah. And the Packers have always had consistent, like they've always consistently struggled to find that 
secondary piece. And you're right. Like the last secondary guy that really panned out long-term for the Packers was Charles Woodson. So um, we're going to end on previewing the Packers-Lions game. I know we forgot to talk about Rodgers and his showing. He played like like an MVP caliber quarterback, but we can kind of tie that into week two. Um, I mentioned this. I think Matt Patricia's got one of the hottest seats in the NFL right now for his head coaching job. Um, the Packers are predicted that they have a 68% chance to win. Um, they went out and signed Adrian Peterson, um, who had a decent showing. Um, first week, he had 14 carries for 93 yards. And if the Lions can keep Stafford healthy, that'll be huge. Uh, but again, I mean, the one area to watch for, in my opinion, uh, would either be the linebacker core or for sure the cornerback core. Um, Jeff Okuda, obviously, um, who we both agreed upon that he's going to be a future All-Pro. Um, and obviously they went out and signed Desmond Trufant after the loss of Darius Slay. They still have an up and coming, really talented corner in Justin Coleman. Um, so I, I think the cornerbacks are something to watch, but at the same time, we have those pieces to beat that. And, um, I think Devante Adams is going to have his work cut out for him. Um, but we've seen him beat out elite corners before. Yeah, and again, uh, and this is where we can talk about Rodgers, too. If Rodgers plays the way he does in week one for the rest of the season, especially in week two against Detroit, it's going to be game over for a lot of teams. Like, if Rodgers is Rodgers again, like, I I don't care if he's throwing you you and I. He's going to get the job done if he keeps putting the ball on the money like that and... Not, not a lot of corners, whether it's Jeff Okuda or whoever. It's going to be tough for them to do things against the Packers or, and stop the Packers just because we have a run game now. We have an offensive line. If we have Aaron Rodgers playing like he can, that's going to be a tough offense to stop. Yeah, and every team we... Obviously, Delvin Cook recently just got extended. Um, every team in the NFC North has their run game. I think the one team that has yet to find their reliable run game is the Detroit Lions. Um, I mean, Kerryon Johnson went out with an injury. DeAndre Swift had that drop um, that really took the NFL by spark or by storm week one because it was, it was a really obvious drop. It was right in his hands. Uh, they also went out and drafted rookie um, track star, New Mexico State running back Jason Huntley. Carryon Johnson's dealt with injuries. Ty Johnson they still have. Um, then they went out and signed Adrian Peterson after he was cut by the Washington football team. So I think out of every every team in this division has a run game, but I think the, the Lions are still looking for their reliable guy. And I I really hope Carryon Johnson pans out for them. Um, and I think... I didn't see that signing coming, obviously, with AP, but I think it makes sense um, seeing as Karrion Johnson's dealt with injuries, and I think AP's a good player, good running back for all those guys in that room to learn from. And your point about Aaron Rodgers, I'll tell you this, if he keeps this up, he'll be in the running for the MVP this year. I definitely agree. I'm very excited that we get to see this again. 
the Lions are just such an interesting team, especially if Kenny G doesn't play. <clears throat> Kenny G doesn't play. I don't really know what they're going to do on offense. It's going to be tough for them to score points, especially against the Packers' pass rush. But as a whole, I think the Lions are in such a weird limbo, especially, you know, they were up big against Chicago. They lose that game. It's just, It just seems like everything that happens to them just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah, and obviously Kenny Galladay is going into this game questionable, and that's going to be huge. I think all they're going to point towards Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola. Um, I think more specifically Marvin Jones. We'll probably see some more targets out of TJ Hawkinson, um, who the Lions have hopefully finally found their tight end. The last tight end drafted in the top 10 was Eric Ebron, who is now a stealer. Um and now it's TJ Hawkinson, and he's really shown the talent. And obviously, it's too early. It's been one year, one year in one game, but he's really, he's really showing that he's worth that top ten pick, and he's worth being that tight end long term. So I think they'll see some more targets out of TJ Hawkinson, and Marvin Jones has to show up more than just four or five games out of the season. So I think, especially if Kenny Galladay is out. Um, which I think it seems to be there might be a really high chance of that being so. Um, yeah, you'll see more of the run game. Um, but you're going to be seeing a lot more from, hopefully, Marvin Jones. Right, and again, Hackinson really needs to step up. They used, uh, I believe, a top 10 pick on him, right? Yep. It's top top 15 for sure. On the tight end, you're going to need that guy to step up if a guy like Kenny Galladay can't go. He just has to prove that he was worth that draft capital. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. I really didn't think this Vikings team had the talent or had the offensive pieces to put up 40-plus points. I mean, outside of Dalvin Cook, they have Adam Thielen. They have Kyle Rudolph, um, who, yeah, he's been reliable. Um, but he's also been a guy that nobody's really talked about in a while. Um, but Justin Jefferson hasn't made that impact yet, and it's hard for those rookie receivers to make that immediate impact. And we both agree. Jerry Judy didn't look good. Henry Ruggs had a decent game until he got hurt. Um, Michael Pittman didn't see too much. Um, we saw some glimpses of it, of him. Um, Jalen Rieger... I if I remember correctly, I think he got hurt. I don't remember seeing a ton, but then again, Carson Wentz got sacked seven or eight times and had no time to throw the ball. Um, but yeah, like those are just a few examples of like rookie receivers. It like it's very hard for them to make that immediate impact, and they don't like you don't expect Justin Jefferson to make that strong impact that everyone's looking for right away. So I really didn't think that the Vikings had the talent right now to put up 40 plus points. And I think this Lions team, especially if Kenny Galladay's out, I don't think they put up, I don't even think they put up that much. Um, I, I think if I had to pick right now what the score was, which I guess we can kind of wrap things up on and have that. Uh, and then you can give, you will give your, you can give your point as well on this, but I don't think the Lions have, I think the Lions have less talent to score as many points as the Vikings did. Um, especially with the loss of Kenny Galladay, if that happens, that's going to be huge. Um, so my final score prediction, 
um, is going to be 31 to 20 Packers. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think that the Lions are as talented offensively as the Vikings. I, I personally don't think it's close. I, I do think they have the better quarterback, and that's about it. And again, I get it. The quarterback's the most important position on offense. But at the same time, Adrian Peterson, like you mentioned, got cut from the Washington football team and signed by the Detroit Lions. And what, he was with the team for like a week and they gave him 14 carries. He led the team in rushing yards. Like that to me is just super confusing. Like I don't understand that. It makes absolutely no sense. It seems as though they're ready to just move on from carry on Johnson. And without Kenny Galladay, that offense to me is very unopposing. I, I do, however, hate to say it, but for some reason the Packers just have some weird bugaboo with the Lions. So I'm going to go Packers 27, Lions 20. They'll keep it close just because, again, it's Detroit and Green Bay, and for some reason we just have trouble putting them away. But as a whole, I, I don't think that team's close to on the same level as even the Minnesota Vikings and definitely not on the same level as Packers. No, not at all. Um, I think the only quarterback I would definitely, I would definitely take Matthew Stafford. I think you can have a conversation of having Kenny Galladay over Adam Thielen because Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Hopkins are two of the very few receivers in the NFL that put up those impressive stats with garbage quarterbacks. DeAndre Hopkins went off with Brandon Whedon throwing him the ball. Kenny Galladay went off with David Blau throwing him the ball. So just a few like prime examples of that. Kenny Galladay is going to be a very, very good receiver in the NFL. And you mentioned with the 14 carries, um, I didn't really understand the draft pick of DeAndre Swift uh, because that to me shows that you're losing, you're starting to lose faith in Kerryon Johnson. Um, and he went down with that major injury last year that sidelined him for the majority of the season last last year. Um, I didn't really understand that DeAndre Swift pick. But they loaded up on running backs, and they now have, what, five running backs on their roster? Ty Johnson's, DeAndre Swift, um, Adrian Peterson, Kerryon Johnson. I'm not even sure uh, Huntley made the roster. He might even be on the practice squad, but... Yeah, I don't really think it's that close. I, I was a bit surprised that the Vikings were able to put up 40-plus points. Um, but, yeah, I think we we both got similar uh, scores. You've got 27 to 20. I've got 31 to 20, both with the Packers winning. And, yeah, you're, you're right on that. Um, the Lions have always been a team for the Packers that really come down in nail-biters. And which is really frustrating to see because the Lions are the worst team in the NFC North. Um, but the Packers always have that nail-biter game um, that happens. It's like the Brewers. Like there's, there's years where the Brewers are beating the really good teams but losing to the really bad teams. Don't you say the Pirates' name right now. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates. Because us going five and five against the Pirates is probably why we're is would be why we wouldn't make playoffs. So I don't want to talk about the Pirates right now. But if we are going to say anything about the Lions, they definitely are the Packers Pirates. Yes. So yes. So that will wrap it up. Um, really pumped to 
really pumped to have Big Ten football back, and I'm really excited that obviously football is back in general. We all needed this, um, and week two is just upon us. We are two days away. Um, so give us a follow on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Dairy Sports. Um, give us a follow on our personal. I am Sam underscore Sam underscore Daring sixty eight. Christian is I love Brent Suter. Um, with that being said, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week. Thank you.